This is Positively Farming Media. Welcome back, my gardening friends, to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I mentioned in one of the more recent episodes that I foliar feed some of my crops at certain points of the year. I think we talked about this specifically most recently with celery. Now, this may or may not be something you are familiar with. And if you are familiar, you may have been told that it's a total waste of time. This is what I assumed, especially when going through a lot of my plant biology and physiology courses. When we were studying leaf structure and how plants breathe through the stomata and the purpose of the plant cuticle, it seemed that the only real way plants were taking up nutrients was through the roots, and the leaves should be left for photosynthesizing and respiration. But I had multiple professors, all plant experts, mention foliar fertilization as an effective way to deliver certain nutrients under certain conditions, specifically micronutrients, which don't really often get much airplay when it comes to talking about feeding our garden plants. In today's episode, we'll dig into what foliar feeding is, how to use it, the benefits and drawbacks, what stages of growth are most benefited by it, and why I choose to use it in rotation with my other approaches to plant nutrition and soil health. And yes, there is a soil component here. There always is. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. Before we jump into foliar feeding, I am excited to read you a new review that came in at the end of last week. This five-star review on Apple Podcasts came in from Mariah in Oregon with the title, Accurate and Practical Gardening Knowledge. Mariah says, love this podcast. I've been gardening for several years and still find lots of useful new information, but the episodes are also simple and straightforward enough for the beginning gardener. I've recommended it to several people I know who are just getting started. Keep up the good work. Okay, thank you so much, Mariah. This absolutely made my day when I read this. You all may or may not have noticed that I very recently changed the tagline on this podcast from just saying a gardening podcast to the why behind the how of gardening. I have spent the past three seasons working my way through all these episodes with the goal of educating as many people as possible about how to grow their own food. But it wasn't ever tailored specifically to beginners or just to more experienced gardeners, nor was it tailored to folks with just large gardens or only those container gardening. I really do believe gardening is for everyone and everyone should know how to grow at least a little something of their own. As a result, my niche wasn't really very clear, to be honest, other than my belief that there is power in food 
And when folks asked me to describe my podcast, I was always sort of at a loss for what to say. I mean, it's a podcast about gardening, and it includes crop-specific information, but it also talks about topics like pests and diseases and plant nutrition, but then we also talk about our health and our nutrition, and I didn't really have a concise way to sort of explain all that. I've always been someone who asks why. Why does something work? Why do we do certain things certain ways? Why does this approach work and not the other? I am absolutely sure that I drove my parents nuts as a kid. And I'm pretty sure that I drove other parents nuts with my kids because much unlike my Marine Corps days of following orders without knowing why, I explained why to my kids when they were asked to do something. It was important to me that they knew there was a reason behind what they were being asked to do. And I realized here recently that that is how I learned as a gardener. That's how I got better at doing what I do. Once I stopped reading the resources that just said, this is how you do it, without any explanation, and I started to understand the why behind the how, I was able to incorporate that same knowledge into all the other areas of the garden. For instance, it's important to know that you should use mulch, but I think it's even more important to know the myriad of reasons behind why it is beneficial. We can use that information to further understand the other things our plants need and continue to improve the ecosystems in our gardens to make us more successful gardeners. And that's just one example. The why behind the how matters. And I sometimes worry that maybe I'm getting a little too into the nitty gritty of a topic and that people sort of start to zone out a little bit when I talk about, I don't know, the ethnobotany of a plant or the science behind a topic. But it's reviews like this and messages on Instagram and comments on TikTok and emails from you all that let me know the information I'm sharing is appreciated and new and experienced gardeners alike are gaining knowledge from what I'm sharing. And that makes me so incredibly happy. So thank you, Mariah. You really did make my day. Okay, now that I'm done being all sappy, let's get all geeky and talk about foliar feeding. So this has been the subject of a little bit of debate over the years, both in the horticultural space and as far as like online gardening information goes. The practice of foliar feeding or foliar fertilization essentially involves applying water-based nutrients to the leaves of our plants to enhance their nutrition. Now, in the home garden, this can be done with like a spray bottle or a pump sprayer or just by using an attachment at the end of our hose that feeds the liquid into the water as it passes through. On a commercial farming scale, it's often done with those huge pivot sprayers that you may see traversing the different fields of crops. Now, claims of some pretty big yield increases using this practice in farming had originally been made based on the assumption that leaves were somehow more efficient at taking up nutrients than the roots are. And this was based on research conducted at Michigan State University in the 1950s. This claim never made any sense to me. The roots 
are designed specifically to take up water and nutrients. The leaves are designed for photosynthesis and to allow the plant to breathe. So I immediately just threw out that claim years ago, and that's probably why I had it stuck in my head that foliar feeding was an absolute myth. It just made no sense. But over and over, I had plant experts talk about foliar feeding as a way to provide a more complete nutrition to plants. And so I started to dig into it, not just academically, but I also experimented in my own gardens. I mean, it's not like fertilizing this way was going to do any harm as long as I was doing it the right way. So I may as well put my assumptions to the test while doing more research on it. And what I found was actually pretty surprising. As gardeners, we should be providing 90% of the nutrients for our vegetable crops as soil applications, and this should be based on soil tests and the specific crop's nutrient needs. This can be done by adding the nutrients prior to planting, either by adding compost or other amendments when prepping the beds, or at the time of planting by adding fertilizer or amendment in the planting hole or directly under the plants, and then again as a side dressing as the season progresses by adding those amendments alongside our plants where they can work their way down into the soil and be available to the roots. And large-scale growers and farmers do this using what's called fertigation, which is adding nutrients into their irrigation water so the plants are fed that way. Sort of like what we do with houseplants when we add plant food to their water. Fertilizer in the irrigation, hence fertigation, right? So foliar fertilization is meant to help maintain or enhance or correct a plant's nutritional profile during the growing season. So if, for instance, there are signs of a nutrient or micronutrient deficiency, using a foliar feeding can often produce really quick results in reversing that deficiency before there's significant damage to the plant. So this can prevent any reduction in yield or a loss of quality in what we eventually harvest. There is also a reduced concern for nutrient loss or tie-up or fixation, which can happen in soil-based amendments. And this is usually based on temperatures, um, the soil being waterlogged, or the pH. Now, of course, foliar feeding obviously has its limits. Again, it's the roots that are designed to do the bulk of the feeding of the plant. So there is the potential to injure our plants if we're using synthetic fertilizers because the fertilizer salt can actually damage the plant tissue. Um, the amounts that we can apply at one time are kind of limited because only small amounts of the nutrients can be taken up through the leaves at any one time, and so it may take multiple applications to get the desired result. I think foliar applications are most effective based on what nutrient or micronutrient we're targeting and what stage of growth the plant is in. So before we talk about how we should be using foliar you're feeding in our gardens. Let's take a very high level at why it works. Oh, see, there's that why behind the how. <laughs> Let's look at the science. Opponents of foliar feeding are quick to point out that the leaves of plants are not designed to take up nutrients. That's the job of the roots. We already established that. In fact, it's been estimated that 
only about 15 to 20 percent of the nutrients applied to the leaves are actually taken in. Now, conventional theory says that foliar feeding is effective because the plants take in essential minerals in liquid form through openings called stomata. The stomata are the points of entry for the carbon dioxide used by the plant during photosynthesis. It's how plants breathe. But research has shown that the nutrients are actually more likely being taken in through the leaf cuticle itself. The cuticle has a pathway of extremely minute pores. There are many more of these little micropores than there are stomata, but they are much smaller. The difference is that these micropores are lined with negative charges. So in plant chemistry, negative charges attract positive ones. So positively charged elements like calcium, magnesium, potassium, and the ammonium form of nitrogen are going to pass fairly easily through those micropores. Of course, what that also means is that the negatively charged elements like phosphorus and sulfur and the nitrate form of nitrogen are gonna have a little bit more of a problem passing through that leaf cuticle because where opposite charges are attracted to each other, like charges repel. So two negatives push each other away, like having the negative sides of two magnets facing each other. They'll push each other to the side. So some nutrients are going to have a harder time getting through than others. The other problem lies in nutrient translocation. So translocation is the ability of a nutrient to be able to move throughout the plant, leaving one part and moving to where it's needed the most. Now, this translocation seems to be much less efficient when taken in through the leaves versus when it's absorbed by the roots. Why is this? Well, because if those micropores are lined with negative charges, smaller molecules or those with a lesser positive charge can move away from the leaf cuticle more easily once they pass through. But the larger molecules and the ones with the greater positive charges are going to tend to stay sort of stuck to those negatively charged cell walls. They will essentially become immobile. So nutrients like ammonium and potassium are going to gain access pretty readily, and they're going to be able to move. Things like calcium and magnesium can gain access, but won't be able to move as well. And then nutrients like phosphorus and sulfur are going to kind of have to fight just to get in. So what does this mean for us using foliar feeding in the garden? How do we use it? When should we use it? And what are we accomplishing when we do? We'll talk about that right after this. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Finding your garden tools need a little refresh this spring. Look no further than Truly Garden. With tried and true tools I use in my own garden, like their Hori Hori knife, Truly Garden has a curated selection of high quality tools designed to withstand the beating I put my stuff through in the garden. I've got my eye on one of their newest additions, a sickle style hand weeder. To check out all the options and get 10% off your first purchase, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash truly. R-U-L-Y and use code JUSTGROW at checkout. The link is in the show notes. So where does foliar feeding fit into our garden and our nutrition for our plants? Foliar feeding should be considered a supplement to how we are already feeding our soil. And notice I said feeding our soil, not feeding our plants. The best results in your plants are always going to come by focusing the fertility in the soil where the plants can draw what they need when they need it. Feeding the plants should only ever be done when our efforts in that area have fallen short and we notice that there is a deficiency of some sort. And that is where foliar feeding can be super helpful, especially when it comes to correcting micronutrient deficiencies. So for instance, if your plant starts showing symptoms of a deficiency in iron or manganese, a foliar feeding will quickly reverse it. Those two nutrients are actually not very mobile once they get in, but that feeding will correct those deficiencies specifically in the leaves and allow the rest of the plant to utilize the micronutrients it does pull from the soil elsewhere. Another instance where foliar feeding can enhance the nutritional profile of a plant is in those flowering and fruiting plants like tomatoes and peppers and melons. A foliar spray with a liquid potassium will benefit the flowers and enhance the fruit production. Another way to use it is for plants that are especially heavy feeders. I hedge my bets with celery by using a foliar spray to give it the boost of nitrogen it needs and as a way to deliver beneficial micronutrients and microbes. That's why I use Elm Dirt's plant juice or bloom juice, depending on the crop and the time of season, because it's not a synthetic, so there aren't any of those fertilizer salts that could build up and damage the plant tissue. And plus, if I'm using it as a foliar spray, whatever doesn't end up on the plant leaves is ending up on the soil. So I'm not just feeding the plant, I'm feeding the soil at the same time. Now, one thing a lot of people have problems with in the garden is blossom end rot, and this is due to a lack of calcium in the fruit as it develops. Now, calcium by nature is not a very mobile nutrient, so many times we have plenty of it in our soil, but something is preventing it from getting to the plant. And then once it's in the plant, it doesn't move a whole lot. So even though it's not very mobile, it can effectively be used as a foliar spray to help prevent blossom end rot. But it needs to be used when the fruit is very young in order to be effective. Which brings me to another way where foliar fertilization is a good fit in the garden. If a plant's root system is temporarily impaired in some way, foliar feeding can be essential in getting nutrients to the plant. If you have extended rainy weather and your garden soils are absolutely waterlogged, there is very little ability for the roots of the plants to take anything up. It's fighting for air at that point, and it's not taking up water or nutrients. 
Foliar feeding temporarily may mean the difference between a plant that survives until the soils dry up a bit and one that basically drowns or starves. Foliar feeding can also help in the instance where the garden soil pH has dropped too low. That causes nutrients to get tied up in the soil, and again, they are unable to move to the plant roots. So foliar fertilization can help save those plants while the soil pH is being adjusted so you don't lose them all in the process. Again, it's not the main source of your plant's nutrients. The most effective way to have healthy, well-fed plants is by making sure the nutrients are in the soil and the plant's roots are healthy and can take up those nutrients. Foliar feeding is a supplemental way to feed our plants in the case that they need extra nutrients, they need to create a deficiency, um, help quickly boost a sick plant, or need to counteract adverse soil conditions temporarily. So how do we apply a foliar feeding? Always do your own research when you're starting anything new in the garden. I can't give you every scenario here and every possible fertilizer you could use and how to use it. My recommendation is start with something that has no synthetics so there is little chance of burning and something that's rich in those micronutrients. Look at the level of NPK on the package, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. If you're supplementing for nitrogen, be sure the first number is higher. If you're supplementing phosphorus to help with like flowering and fruiting, then you want that second number to be higher. If you're supplementing for calcium or magnesium or any of the other micronutrients, try using something where all the NPK numbers are equal and it specifically lists those supplements that you are looking for. Now, in most cases, if you're not using a synthetic blend, my experience is the NPK content is going to be low enough that you'll get good results no matter what the ratio is. And you can also use things like compost tea or fish emulsion or kelp. These are all packed with micronutrients and won't burn the plant, although they can sometimes be a little stinky. So be prepared for that. Dilute the fertilizer or amendment the same way it indicates on the instructions for you to use as a soil application. Either use a spray bottle to apply it, or for much larger areas, you can use a pump sprayer, or like I mentioned, a canister attached to your hose works really well. Um, usually those are used for like fertilizers for lawn, but I have found it to be really helpful to have for use in the garden. Be sure to adjust the rate that the fertilizer or amendment is mixed with the water as it's sprayed. It's better to apply weaker concentrations of nutrients more frequently rather than a higher concentration because you have less risk of damage and not all those nutrients are getting through the leaf surface anyway. So this is kind of contrary to how we water. We usually water much more deeply and less frequently, but as far as foliar feeding is concerned, you want to apply it a weaker concentration, but you want to do it more frequently. You also want to spray when the air temperatures are relatively cool, around 72 degrees Fahrenheit or cooler. This is because those stomata and micropores in the leaf cuticle tend to close up as temperatures get warmer. So what they're doing is they're preventing the plant from losing too much in the way of moisture. So in the warmest part of the season, if you're going to foliar spray, early morning applications are usually the best time. Late afternoon is fine too, so long as you're not leaving the leaves too wet. We don't want to encourage any fungal issues. 
a fine mist is what we're going for here or a light spray with the hose or the sprayer and then move on. You don't want to be saturating the leaves because this could cause damage. If you can, angle your spray bottle or whatever you're spraying with so that you can hit the undersides of the leaves as much as possible. The stomata and the micropores are actually more concentrated on the underside of the leaves. So applying the spray there is going to help get more of that solution to be taken up. And then lastly, do this on a trial basis first. Don't go out and immediately feed all of the plants in your garden. Try a few plants at first, see how they do, and decide if you should expand from there. So foliar feeding is obviously not the most effective way of supplying nutrients to plants. We should absolutely be focusing on supplying those nutrients through good soil health. But it has been proven to be an effective method of treating certain nutrient deficiencies, boosting nutrients in those heavy feeders, and salvaging plants in times of stress. I have seen really good results in my garden, and maybe it will become a helpful tool in yours. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.